Welcome to A Tribe Called Shift, the podcast that digs deep into the exterior of hip-hop culture to uncover themes such as sociopolitics, economics, fashion, music, and much more. In our first episode, we speak to sneaker influencer Lini Zonzolo about her love of sneakers and consignment. But in between, we discuss if women's needs are really being met in the footwear industry and dive into a Congolese roots. We met Lini in the Crep Protect owned Presented by Store in Tottenham Court Road, a shrine to sneakers new and old. Definitely an environment to have hype beasts frothing at the mouth. Interviewing Lini is Culture Shift co-founder, Esh Juggle. Right, Lini, I just want to talk to you about your earliest memory, which was a catalyst for your love of sneakers. Yeah, it really started from young. I think I was about five years old and at the time I was really into sports. You know, football was, was my everything and, you know, Fowler was my hero at the time. Thierry Henry was my hero, and you know, seeing footballers wearing sneakers was my was my thing. And um, the bonus was my uncle was super into sneakers. He used to be a basketball player, um, so he had a crazy range of kicks. You know, Nike up tempos, Nike dunks, and that's where it started. Mm. Yeah, and it's crazy. You just mentioned the likes of Thierry Henry wearing sneakers, and you know, off the pitch, mm. how do you think uh, the sneaker culture and football? Um, sort of intersect and how it kind of impacts sneaker culture at the moment? I mean, I think it's, I think it's dope, you know, um, the likes of Neymar and Cristiano Ronaldo having, you know, such big deals with their respective brands. It's, um, it's a dope thing to see. Um, it makes us feel like, you know, they're just like us, you know, they can wear the cool kicks and, and rock it the way we do. And it's good to know there's no age range, do you know what I'm saying? Like it's for everybody. So if you can pick up a good pair of kicks and rock it out, style it out, go for it, crack on. So it's great to see everybody getting involved, you know, for sure. Stepping into your sneaker career, um, you started off working at Presented By, the store we're sitting in right now. Yeah. Um, but now you're mostly at the Creptech Collect HQ. Yeah. So speak to us about, you know, uh, talk me through what you're doing for them right now and what that work involves. Um, being at the the headquarters is pretty much just uh, the back, the behind the scenes. Let's let's put it that way. You know, um, it's been fun working at the store for uh, three and a half years. You know, and I feel like once I, I felt like I completed my mission in the sense where I know everything that's you know about this place, and I wanted more of a challenge. You know, and um, I still come in regularly. You know, and um, check in and come for events and come to help out. There's days where I'm bored and I come in to, to, to help out. So it's, it's great. And then as at the, the warehouse or the headquarters, as we would call it, is where, you know, the Crep Protect operation is and collect as well and also presented by. So we're always working behind the scenes, not just in the storefront. So yeah, super dope. Yeah. Or would you say your perspective on sneakers has changed since going into, since moving to the headquarters? Is it different to how you kind of operate in the store? Or do they correlate? I want to say I'm, I'm, I'm a lot more out of touch now because I'm at the headquarters. When I'm here, I know everything that's coming out. I know what's, what's new, what's the leak, what's everything. Whereas when you're at the headquarters, you're thinking more, okay, we've got the marketing for this. We've got the influencer program for this. We've got this event to work on. So, um, yeah, it's kind of, uh, it's more difficult because here it's like word of mouth. People come in, we discuss, we network. Um, so I would say that's the only change. If we talk about your approach to sneakers yeah. um, and your attitude, would you, how would you say that's changed, if, any, if, if anything? Um, I want to say 
I'm less blown away <laughs> in a sense where, you know, shoes like the Back to the Futures, the 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 the, the Yeezys, the Red Octobers. You're you're seeing these shoes every day, and you're you're getting first dibs at it. And um, I used to be geeked out. I used to be like, oh my god, that's you know what I mean. And now it's like, oh, this is this is calm. Okay, cool. Let's do some content. Let's, you know what I mean. And um, I don't know. I guess the excitement isn't there anymore. Maybe because it's so accessible. I think that's what it is, you know. Um, and then talk, uh, taking your Congolese heritage into account, how do you see African cultures being represented in the sneaker game and, and what can be done for it to be embedded even further? I think, um, I think it's going, it's definitely going. Um, and we have a lot of, you know, people from the demographic, you know, Africans, supporting the culture and being a part of the culture, would I like to see more? Yes, of course. Um, I think I did start seeing some change when I saw uh, Nigeria and Nike do a collaboration with, with their kit and seeing the campaign for that, it, it was great. You know what I mean? It felt like, yeah, Africa's being seen, Africa's being heard, and that's what it's all about. You know, I, I want to see women that look like me um, at conferences. I want to see women that look like me at events, at sneaker events and, and so on. So, um, yeah, I think we're, we're on a good path and I've connected with many women uh, from the African and Caribbean background and, and that's what I like to see. It makes me feel uh, more welcome. Uh, that's actually a good segue into the next question, which is, you know, do you think the sneaker game is gender diverse? Because what we see time and time again is how some of the biggest drops and releases are heavily marketed towards men. Um, and there's also, you know, a lack of women's sizes as well um, in, in production wise. So do you, see, do, you, do you see it becoming more gender diverse or what's the state of it right now? Yeah, I don't know what they're waiting for. I'll be honest. I don't know what they're waiting for. And um, I'm a size six. So to be like, I can get guys, I've always... I can always get them because I, I'm a size six. I can get men's, I can get women's, I can get juniors as well. But people just want to buy sneakers. Like, like what, what is, I'm, I'm, I'm confused by the maths of it because, you know, I see women who I know that are size three, size fours, and it's, and it's unfortunate. And it really actually, especially the, the off-white um, collaboration, especially with the, with the fours, the sales, it was shown as a women's shoe. However, we're seeing a lot of male in the males in the campaign. You know what I mean? And it's like, give us this, give us the platform. You know, we're here from whether it's in Europe, uh, the States, wherever they are about. Go on Instagram, you're gonna find them. Yeah. So don't sit here and act oblivious to the fact that women won't be interested. We are. You know, we're here, and um, we're gonna definitely make our make our name rings a lot more. But for now, it's going. It's a steady float. You know, I mean, I do want to see some change. If I can do something about it, then for sure. Which pair of kicks or pairs of kicks did you have to go through, um, to go hell, to hell and back for? <laughs> uh, the off-white, the off-white Air Force One, uh, should I say the off-whites? Do you know what? No. At the time, I think I was about 19. I was 19 and I was, there was this pair of shoes, Jordan 12s. It was a blue suede. It was an all blue suede. And uh, yeah, Jordan 12 blue suede. It was a premium finish. It was just beautiful suede. And um, they were 160 pounds and my size was sitting on end. 
for a very, very, very long time. And I was broke as hell. I had a job, but I was so broke that I was like, I need to find something to sell. So I ended up selling um, my my bait hoodie, which was so expensive at the time. And um, I was like, yeah, I'm gonna sell this and I'm gonna grab that. And um, for some reason, every day I was refreshing the page on end and it was still there, it was still there. I finally managed to cop it. And you know what I mean? I bust them bad boys out for the whole world to see. Um, and it felt great, it felt great. But I was broke again after that, so you know, hey. Do you think that's a never ending cycle when it comes to, the sneak if you're a sneakerhead, yeah. would you say that sometimes to get your next pair, the next hot pair, or something that you've been keeping your eye on for ages, for, for time, you might need to, like you said, you had to sell your bait hoodie, right? Yeah. Do you think that's a never ending cycle? And then, you know, you kind of, you're on to the next one after that. I mean, it's how you, I guess it's, everybody starts, starts up that way. I feel like every sneakerhead or a sneaker enthusiast or a lover or a collector will say to you, man, hey, I, I, I struggled for a few months with no money for, for this pair of shoes. Everyone's got that story. And I think it's also a lesson to, to, to kind of think forward and think, yeah, when I'm allowed to, when I'm that age to kind of have an income and have money, I know what to do and I know to put money on the side because I don't want to have to go through what I did at the time when I was, you know what I mean? Checking on the couches for some spare change. So, you know, it's a lesson. You're a big sneakerhead. You've been in the game for, for a while now. You've been grafting hard. What was it like getting that call up from the BBC for, for your documentary, Killer Kicks? Yo, that was nuts. That was nuts. I feel like uh, a friend I went to university with, I'd done a year in Roehampton University and you know, uh, she ended up having a job in BBC. And one day she hit me up and said, listen, they're, they're talking about sneakers in this uh, meeting and you came into my mind, um, can I give them your details? Which I did and you know, they called instantly. We had a little chat and then it went silent for a little bit. And then um, they had this new team hit me up and say, hey, listen, we want to, you know, test you out and do a little tester tape. And this is the project that we have in mind. And, you know, we did the filming and they were just like, yeah, you're great. You know, we, we need you. We want you. This is the plan. And uh, yeah, man, it felt kind of crazy. You know, I mean, a lot of filming, a lot of traveling. I mean, it was my dream to go to New York one day and I went there. Not even, I didn't even pay it, you know what I mean? It felt good. So it was like the fact that my dream place to be one day was, 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 I was flown out, you know what I'm saying? Just for sneakers. So it felt great. And, um, yeah, man, yeah, nuts. Is it, it, a sneaker game, is a sneaker culture actually different in New York to what it is here? What's, what's that, what's the energy like? You know, when you, when you were out there and you were filming and you were in those stores, you went to Flight Club and, you know, you went to all the other stores that big popping in, in New York. What's the energy like in there compared to say London culture or even the UK, for example? You know, America is, is huge. It's a, it's a huge, huge place. And um, I felt like I was in London when I was in New York. It's just that there's 10 times that drive, that rush, that hustle, you feel it. You want to go with the flow of these people. You know what I mean? The hunger's there. Um, but when you step into the sneaker stores, you feel like, you're in that same world in the UK. You feel like, you know, you know these people and these people have that same love and interest as you. And, um, you know, it feels like home. It feels like home. I feel like that's how it should be. And that's how you should be welcomed in any other sneaker store is how you feel here is how you're going to feel there because you guys share that same interest. So I don't see what can go wrong, you know, but it was great, man. Flight Club opened just for me, you know what I mean? 
I had I had the store to myself for two hours. Shout out to Malcolm and Utel. I was at Flight Club at the time that, that hooked me up. So that was dope. Unreal. Yeah. And as someone that absolutely loves a fresh pair of kicks, right? How does Linny pick her kicks for the day? Definitely my mood, man. You know, when the sun's out, I I love colour in general. I I'm I'm big on on bright colours and popping colours. Um, and then with the if the weather's a bit mad, you know, we live in the UK, um, so you got to slap on the, the dark neutral colours, you know. But um, I go from the kicks and then I go to the outfit. Yeah. Right, Lenny. So, what what are the business challenges of sneaker consignment? Um, the challenges you say. The challenges is you know, the whole point is for the shoe to sell, you know, and um, obviously we want to send that message to, to the community that listen, you bring your stuff here, and we'll make sure to sell that for you and and get that money for you. Um, but it's also about building uh, trust uh, with the community. Um, not just, of course, uh, the money side of things. But I would say the challenge is, is being patient. You know, as I mentioned before, we've had items here that's been here for over two years, three years, four. And um, it's just the time. It's always about the hype, is getting that peak, that pinpoint there where, you know, everything increases and you, you happen to have that product, you've hit jackpot, you know, and sometimes it's not the case. Sometimes you take an L, you know, and that's part of the game. Sometimes we take the losses and uh, it can be a big hit for some people um, to the point where, you know, they just give up and, and sell it for under the, the value that it really is. So um, those are the challenges, taking, taking the Ls. What's the process once the delivery comes in? You know, if we, when, when you get a delivery of maybe sneakers or um, apparel, you know, what, what's your process at Presented By? What happens behind the scenes? So pretty much, I just literally went through this shoe right here. So this already came in. So we usually allow five pairs of shoes to come in, each consignee to bring in and consign their products till we, of course, reach the maximum capacity of stock. Um, it's super simple. They come in and they fill out an iPad as a form. Your name, your details, how much you want. You sign it, we sign it, we take it in, just like I have right here. And, you know, it's just... They have a barcode, they have a copy, they have a contract, and then they're on their way. Um, and then as far as the verification part of things, um, usually on drop day, um, those we do want to see receipts, of course. And um, we also have a team that authenticates every item that comes in. So we have a team of experts, so we're good on that department. And um, yeah, then your item is, is on shop floor for sale. And then once the item sells, um, you get pinged, you get an email to say, hey, congrats, you've got your money, you've sold your item, please wait payment. And then we do it all over again. Um, the goal is to always sell um, every consignee's item within 30 days. That is our goal, of course. Um, if they wish to pick up their items after a certain period of time, they are free and more than welcome to do so. Others just keep it here, just like I've mentioned before, we've had items here for as long as three and a half years. So, yeah. They stick around. Which sneakers get returned the most? So our policy here is we actually don't allow returns, but I would say the most pairs that are picked up from not actually selling. Um, for us, the most was the Nike Hyper Adapts. It was, it was an auto self-lacing shoe. And I guess everyone thought it'd be the next 
Back to the Future, Marty McFly's, but that wasn't the case, and many people took L's. And uh, yeah, that was the, the most picked up return shoe. So which sneakers retain the most value as well? Um, there's, not, there's not really an answer to that, because anything can crash. Anything can crash, you know what I mean? And um, that, that's just part of the game. But um, I would say if you were to spend your money on collabs that you know will do well, Supreme and Nike always do very well, like these dunks over here, we know these are timeless, these are going to be classics in a couple of years, and dunks is what's hot right now. So you kind of got to use your brain and kind of get in that hype and buy in that circle of, of things, so yeah. We know that the sneaker uh, community, they, they look to the sneakers app for, for the drops, right? Yep. Um, what advice can you give someone constantly taking L's on the sneakers app um, and with buying in general? I get that question so many times as if I'm literally like the, the tech geek behind sneakers app. I wish, I wish, right? But I, what I do tell everybody is honestly, guys, I tell them, just go on it as much as you can. I tr me personally, I feel like there's an algorithm where um, they favour those who spend a lot of time on the app and um, I, I tried that out after a while and for me it kind of started working in my favour. Um, so I tell them treat it like it's your daily newspaper, see what's new, see what's up, spend about five minutes on the app, you know what I mean, spend some time on it and then um, see how it goes after a month. And um, you know, some people have told me, oh that kind of works, but I did take an L last week, I'm like listen, you're not going to get wins all the time, you know what I mean, but yeah, I think I think that's the way it goes with sneakers up, to be fair, yeah. And what advice can you tell a young person who wants to pursue a career in the sneaker game? Um, as a reseller or as, as an influencer, what, what, would, what would you say? Influencer? As an influencer, I think, um, yeah, yeah. Um, it's consistency, isn't it? It's being different from what everybody else has to offer. Um, the community, the, the sneaker world is huge, you know, they're growing day by day and um, everybody is, is surfacing on, on the net and social media and TikTok and, you know, everyone has these clean pages. You've got to kind of set yourself apart from that, you know what I mean? Um, everybody has a, has a sneaker wall. I don't have a sneaker wall. I just have my Crepitec craze. That's how people know, okay, that's Linny stuff, you know? Or we're doing fit pics or I'm doing pictures with celebrities in the store but we're still showing our kicks, you know, that's different themes like that. Set yourself apart from everybody, do your thing, don't watch anybody else, you know what I mean? Because that's the distraction. Be consistent, create good content, be positive. If you've got a good support system, they're going to support you, they're going to share, they're going to repost, save. Your algorithm increases, your engagement increases, brands start to see you and just little by little. But it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a journey, you know, it's a journey, it's not overnight. So. You know, and if people feel like you, you have that genuine passion in it, they're going to follow you and they're going to be around to watch your journey. So, yeah. Mm. Linny, is there anyone you want to shout out and anything you want to plug? I want to shout out me for being me, you know what I'm saying? And you guys for supporting me, for being me. And um, no, for real, thank you guys for the love and support and big shout out to Culture Shift for always being behind your girl from day one. And that's a fact. Make sure you follow me on the gram, that's L Sneaks. Show some love, I'll show some love back. And big shout out to obviously, you know where we're at. You know where we're at, PB way.
A Tribe Called Shift is a Culture Shift production produced by myself, Rav Kumar, featuring Esh Juggle and Rosie Mills. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Culture Shift UK. As always, shifting perspective through innovative journalism.